Hello and welcome to the One Football Podcast. So the other night, uh, uh, Joanna, myself and Benny were exchanging late night texts. Mm-hmm. Uh, and we were both saying that we want to be best friends with Scotty Pippen. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah, he's got his voice, voice only his yeah. voice should be my friend, not himself. Like I think he's only a, an average person, but his voice is incredible. He should read the he's, intro of this podcast. He's only an average person. Why is that? Well, he's he's very bad in uh, setting up contracts. I would say too shy to <laughs> too shy to get the big money. Um, so the, as a player, he was great, but I think he's too shy for being a superhero. But his I voice is superhero. I think it's the combination voice, uh, cool look on his face because he has a look like nothing worries him. You know, he's always looking very cool, very chill. Mm. Yeah, because everybody's staring at his nose. He has an incredible nose. Does he? I wasn't staring yes. at his nose. I was staring at his forehead. And then it's a bit rich of me to be complaining about foreheads at the moment, given the old military cut <laughs> thing going on. But generally, I was just staring at his forehead for the entire thing. I wondered that he has an empty flat while Michael Jordan has like 14 different leather seats and there was nothing in the background in Scotty Pippen's flat. I did, I did think that too. Did you read what the director said about Dennis Rodman? No. Oh, apparently he just wanted to talk about uh, North Korea all the time. I like, had, <laughs> I like didn't like, turned up like three weeks late for the interview or something ridiculous like that. This is what it's weird how there was only this. It was only like a small bit of Rodman compared to the others, wasn't there really? So yeah, little there was snippets. Definitely something going on there, yeah. Yeah. Um, did you did you have yourself down as one of the people in it, Benny? Who who are you most relating to? I see Steve you, Steve Kerr. I'm Steve Kerr. No, no, no. I, I see you more as the uh, as the Pippin. But I, if, between you and us, I, you are Jordan. I'm Tony Kukoc. I would say <laughs> in this Olympic game. <laughs> God, they really did him over. I felt sorry for him in that. Yeah, that's that's how they behave. That's the was one of the moments where you really see how Michael Jordan is, and that's really annoying in this whole documentary. I think that every time something he's done very bad or he comes out as a bad person, they always say, "Yeah, he's very competitive, and if you do something wrong, he will destroy you on the court." Blah blah blah. That's I mm. uh, basically not the biggest Michael Jordan fan. Being competitive is an excuse to do whatever the hell you want, really. Yeah, I killed you because I'm very competitive in fighting. Mm-hmm. Yeah, pretty much. <laughs> anyway, joining me, Ian McCourt, on today's One Football Podcast is Benny Kulhoff. Hello. Dan Burke. Hello. And Jonah Bueno. Hi. Should you wish to get in touch, tell us what you think of the pod, send over any questions you address to do, so it's podcast at onefootball.com, or you can get onto iTunes, leave a review, let us know how you think. I've been listening to other podcasts recently, because I have, you know, got a bit of time on my hands. They actually ask how the other people in the podcast are doing. Like they say, like, okay. you know, uh, so I'm going to I'm gonna be polite, I'm going to put that energy, going to put that positive energy out there. Joanna, how are you doing? Are you okay? <sighs> Yes, I am fine. I'm fine. I'm doing great. Thank you for asking. And Benny, are you okay? That's, I'm feeling very bad. Why? Uh, no, normally you say I'm fine when someone asks you like that. I just want to confuse you. And then I say, I feel very bad. <laughs> Let's talk about my problems now for the next 30 minutes. Mm. No, everything is fine. Well, we're gonna- I'm living in a landscape, a beautiful family. 
so I'm fine. We're going to talk about your problems in a few minutes when we get to Schalke, I think. Mm, yeah. <laughs> uh, we you talk about my tennis skills. Well, the other fact that you spend all your money on tennis shoes these days. <laughs> Dan, are you okay? I'm amazing. I cannot smile wild, wide enough, to be honest. Yeah. Look at that. That's a good dose of positivity. <laughs> Uh, anyway, Tuesday night, while I was being transformed from pretty indie kid to army recruit, Bayern Munich were being transformed to Bundesliga champions. Uh -huh. uh, sort of pretty woman style. I was thinking about this yesterday. Which club is which character? Uh, which Bundesliga club is which character and pretty woman? And I don't know how uh, au fait you are all with the movie, but Joanna's definitely seen it. Why? Yeah, yeah, but I don't really see the other characters as part of uh, Bundesliga clubs because Whoa, okay. you know Richard Gere is the seductive one. Which which club would be the seductive? No, 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 no. You see, you don't see him as seductive. You see him as rich, successful, emotionally detached, always gets what he wants. That's Edward, and that's okay. and that's Bayern Munich. Okay, and then uh, Julia Roberts would be the prostitute who basically. <laughs> gets money from the rich person, which is Dortmund, <laughs> because they buy all the players oh. and gets fucked regularly mm. in games, which is basically <laughs> Dortmund against Bayern, right? Well, and I was thinking, I was thinking that the friend, the hooker who can't quite get her life together and has to look at Vivian for success, is probably Schalke. Yeah, yeah. I don't know if Schalke is part of this thing. Mm -hmm. It's or more a minor role in the background, I would say. And then, and then there's the bellboy uh, who everybody loves but are going nowhere is Freiburg. Yes, I that's assume. definitely true. That's okay. definitely true. It's a nice, well, that, nice metaphor. That, that's a, that's enough of my stretched analogy for this, uh, Benny. What did we learn from the game? What were the talking points? Well, the season is over. Only two days, two match days of ghost football, and we already have a champion. Um, yeah, we see that Dortmund has a great team, but is not ready to compete with Bayern Munich. Um, they were, and you see out of the faces, especially from Thomas Müller after the game and the, his interview, that he's uh, super positive and super happy that they won the game. And he's he's himself, and this is very, this is not happening happening very often. He himself is talking about the title race is done. Uh, we were great. And also Mats Hummels from Dortmund says, well, Bayern is the only one who, who can decide the title race, and it's right. And never in football uh, Bundesliga history someone lost seven-point uh, lead at the top and it was six days left. So the statistics are also on Bayern's side. Um, so I would say the title race is over, and let's focus on um, relegation. It's relegation, yeah, relegation. Mm. Yeah, relegation. Joanna, you mm. watched it too. Is that what is that your conclusion from the game? Yeah, definitely. There, there's a saying in Brazil that we use in football that applies very well to this particular uh, match, which is Dortmund played like never and lost like always. <laughs> So it's more or less like that. Never mind what they did. You know, they lost as they always do. And at least how they always, they have been doing against Bayern recently. But the truth is, I don't really think that they played like never. They, they didn't really play more than they were used to, or they didn't really do a good game or a great game. I felt that... Uh, the goal was pretty much the nails in the coffin. I mean, there was still this whole second half to go, and I couldn't see by, uh, Bayern being threatened at all. On the contrary, Bayern were marking Dortmund's defense pitch, you know, and, and that was, to me, it was like, okay, Bayern is closer to scoring a second goal than Dortmund is. 
And yeah, it's a pity because we were really uh, uh, expecting a lot from that. And yeah, the title race is done. And I think not only relegation now, but also the Champions League spots are also on the... Which is, which is a pity because the most boring clubs are fighting for the Champions League. So in Germany, there's already the joke. Now the whole world is looking at the Bundesliga and everybody we have to offer is a relegation race between uh, a relegation race and a Champions League race between clubs that are basically commercial clubs like Leverkusen and Leipzig and all. So this is Bundesliga. And Wolfsburg. And Wolfsburg, yeah. Oh. <laughs> Good old Wolfsburg. Uh, Dan, you watched it. Same, I guess the yeah. same conclusion from you too. Yeah, a bit disappointing from Dortmund's perspective, really, because they just, I mean, Julian Brandt, who had a really good game, uh, who's, who's been in really good form, should I say, was just really sort of flat in the first half. Then he came off at half time. I couldn't really understand why that was. Sancho came on, didn't look very fit, really. He looked a bit sluggish. Haaland didn't do an awful lot. And you sort of look at Dortmund and think, was it 5-0 last time they played at, at the Allianz in, earlier in the season? And they yeah. only lost this game 1-0. And you kind of think if they had the the crowd behind them there might that have been the difference in this game might they've been able to turn it around and yeah it was it was a good game but i thought dortmund were a bit disappointing really question for all three of you then is home advantage over in ghost games is home advantage gone in dortmund definitely i but think not for, ev- for some clubs yeah for dortmund for union berlin for example definitely but for hertha i don't think it makes a difference <laughs> <laughs> oh poor old hertha i think before Wednesday's games, um, I'm not, I can't remember the results last night, but before Wednesday's games, there'd only been something like three home wins in 21 games since the restart or something, which is mad, isn't it, really? Mm. Yeah. Ghost games. Mm. Maybe maybe it has not much to do with the home fans, but more with the, like, normally when you play home games, you sleep at home or you go to the stadium or whatever, and now everything has changed. They live in a hotel and everything mm. around the game has changed already. It's an away game in preparation already. So uh, maybe this is something that makes something with the head of the players. I think most of the stadiums are, for example, in Wolfsburg or Leipzig, there is the standard joke that there is no fan anyway. So if they have uh, ghost games or not, it doesn't make any difference. But of course, Dortmund is a huge game. Even the smaller teams, I think. If a smaller team plays a big team like anyone playing Bayern Munich, uh, not having any fans is a disadvantage. We were cracking that joke about Man City as well last week, Benny. Yeah, okay. Uh, that's that's how you see how often I listen to this podcast. <laughs> well, you, you know, you're a busy man with your with your new your newfound tennis career. You're a busy man. You don't always uh, have time it. to listen to that's these. Uh, last time, last time I listened to a podcast while working on my service with 150 tennis balls and me on a lonely court in the sun. That was very nice, but it was not this one. Well, <laughs> was it Joe Rogan? No, the Scrubs podcast. I can really recommend for any Scrubs fan uh, because JD and Turk what, rewatch every episode and talk about it. It's very funny if you're oh. a Scrubs fan. Jeez, I hate Scrubs. Uh, it's the best series. This well, is... the Sopranos are doing the same thing. Two of the guys oh, from the Sopranos are listening th- through that. So that's one you could listen to as well, yeah. Well, I've yeah. not seen the Sopranos either. So... Oh, come on. Oh, there There's go. 10 years of life before you. Uh, yeah. I have a question for all of you. Is Alfonso Davies the best? I've got a lot of questions for all of you. It's the point of the podcast. Is Alfonso Davies the best left back in the world right now? I no. think he's he's getting there. 
He's, I mean, like, I, he's, not, he's not even technically a left back, is he really? But his his burst of pace over a few yards is frightening. I don't think there's anyone quicker than him in the world at the moment. I think probably Andy Robertson was, would have something to say about him being the best left back in the world at the moment. But I reckon in a few years, Davies could be right up there. I'm more scared of Andy Robertson than I am of, uh, of Davies. That's what, that's what I would say. Say Fonzie. Say Fonzie. And this is the, the problem. If, you, if, if your nickname is Fonzie, Hugo mm. should be scared of you. No, you're never going to be scared of him. But No. He's he's what he was originally a left winger. Yeah, he was. Yeah. I think he was bought as an offensive player, and then he's basically the the job saver of Hasan Salihamidzic because he was the first transfer Salihamidzic did on his own. And everyone says, me including, what the fuck is he doing? He's buying a guy from Canada, uh, and now we see how how much a professional I am in judging football skills. So mm. um, he's a good one, but he's also very hyped. And you only see Bundesliga, and the Bundesliga he might be the best one, but I don't know. There's much more uh, to have than pace uh, as a left wing, I would say. But left he, back. he uses his pace to make up for his lack of positioning, which I think is a point Thomas Muller was also making in the in his post-match, his brilliant yeah, post-match today, performance. T- today there was a news that Mainz 05, a small club from Dor- uh, from Germany, I said Dortmund, holy shit. Uh, a small, a small, uh, <laughs> it's absolutely crazy. Uh, that's because of my neighbor has a Dortmund flag here. Every time when I watch out of this window, there's a Dortmund flag and I'm, uh, so, um, so, uh, a small club from from uh, Germany, Mainz 05, was offered Alfonso Davis a few years ago, and they didn't buy him because of tactical uh, mistakes he's making in the game. So I think they are now a bit depressed that they didn't took this hit to get some speed on left-back position. He's like the reverse Gareth Bale. That's how I sort of see him. Because oh, yeah. Gareth Bale yeah. went from left-back to left-wing, whereas this guy's going from left-wing to left-back. Yeah. I think you can have a proper career as a left back more than on a left wing because left backs are always needed and you can play 55 years there while left wing is always judged by goals and assists and all this stuff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Very good. Uh, Benny, how can how is it that Dortmund can dominate Schalke and then disappoint against Bayern? Yeah, that's that shows how good Schalke is currently. Uh, <laughs> I think Schalke is a punching ball of the Bundesliga right now. So you you invite them to to raise your self confidence uh, because you know you can definitely destroy them even if you're a very very poor team. Dortmund is a good team; they destroyed them. Augsburg is a mid class team; they destroyed them. Düsseldorf is a poor team; they destroyed them. So basically, now it's the best days to play against Schalke Nulfier mm. and. It's don't a, compare Schalke Dortmund and uh, Bayern Munich on any level it's right a, now it's a bit like that person like you know when you're single it's a bit like that person you know you can always hook up with you know <laughs> <laughs> hey how are you doing yeah, sort of, you get the late night text uh, you yeah. hit them with the late night text hey you up <laughs> it's the person you ask other persons for the number so that you can write late night messages <laughs> <laughs> that's my that's my analogy for it. <laughs> I don't know what yeah. you guys are talking about, honestly. Yeah. <laughs> well, look, we're we're all we're all you know settled down, uh, older, respectable people at this stage in our lives. That's, and I haven't been drunk for two months, so I've never wrote a late night message for for years. For that fe- feels like this. So. Two months, you haven't been drunk. Yeah. No, I was drinking whiskey recently, and that that was getting me there. Yeah, to this haircut. To this, that's why. That's why I ended up with this haircut. Thank God again. Thank God this is not on video. <laughs> to texting your wife in the middle of the night. 
Benny, word on the street is you reap what you sow, which means Lucy and Favre will be out of a job soon and replaced by, I mean, it says Nico Kovac here. That can't be right. Absolutely weird rumor. I don't know what it should bring to replace Lucien Favre, which is in critic for his defensive and nice play style with Nico Kovac, who is basically the face of the defensive play style he wanted to implement in, uh, in Munich. So I don't think this is ever going to happen. He was, uh, I think he, no, his brother played for Dortmund, but I don't think that that's a real rumor. I think they're going to release Favre after the season. Everything is back to normal. I'm very. I'm looking forward to the first club releasing a coach because uh, then the new coach has to be in quarantine for two weeks. So he need to know two weeks in advance um, that he's having a job. So this is a very, very uh, sensitive situation. But I don't think any club will release a coach during this quarantine, especially not Dortmund. Everybody at Dortmund says the rumor is wrong. Uh, Lucien Favre is has all our trust. Um, at least till yeah. the end of the season. But the truth is, Dortmund has nowhere to go anyway. They're out of the cup, they're out of the Champions League, now they're not fighting for the title. Why would they fire him now? Just fire him at the end of the season and start That's over. It. Yeah, season's uh, over for him. Uh, also, word on the street is, Joanna, you're leaving one football for your dream job, which is... <laughs> Did you want to did you want to tell the people what your dream job actually is? Yes, I want to be the DJ of those empty stadiums. I love those new sounds that they put. I want to be the one doing the clapping and the booing and choosing what time to yell something <laughs> because I thought it was they were just going to put like some crowd sounds like singing and everything, but no, like if Dortmund uh took the ball out of someone in Bayern and threw the ball out of the pitch, like in a very good tackle, they would have they would have clapping sounds as in they just did a good play. So I, I got very excited about that and that's my new dream job. <laughs> Benny's looking at you in disgust. Like these organ players in NBA or MLB stadiums where they Yeah, but with real people sounds, with yelling and clapping and booing instead of music and whatever. So I'm I'm a, a connoisseur and a lover of the German football fan scene. If this ever happens in a football stadium, believe me, the ultras would burn down the stadium and uh, and <laughs> and try to get you out of the city or the country as soon as possible. What if we brought uh, it into the podcast and every time I didn't like one of the things that you people said, I just did a boo or a I like it. Sort of clapping sound to go with it. That's that's something I really like. Okay, well maybe we can yeah. introduce it it's here. It's a bit like a sitcom. So the, you show the people when to laugh or when to cry mm-hmm. or when to feel bad. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Yeah. yeah sometimes yeah, pe- but- people need to be told, Benny. Yeah, I know. I know. I'm from Germany. Joanna's <laughs> <laughs> from Brazil. <laughs> at this stage I was going to ask you about Schalke and how it feels to be a Schalke fan right now but I think we figured that one out it's a late night text and that's uh, that's what it is yeah if you, it's, if a, you it's come... a late night text to get fucked <laughs> so if we come if we come back to pretty woman I'm basically the empty bath tube where uh, where Julia Roberts was in four hours ago and met Richard Gere and had a nice night and we are the empty bath tube that is there left dirty uh, well, no there, fun at all there is no a, one wants to clean you I, I don't know if you remember this but there is a sort of there's a murder at the start of uh, Pretty Woman um, where one of the prostitutes is found in a dumpster 
Do you remember that, Joanna? <laughs> is that Schalke? Is that what you're saying? <laughs> yeah, we uh, killed prostitutes. I'm, I'm not saying anything. I'm just, I, <laughs> I'm just saying that's one of the scenes in there. And you know who is the cop? Hank Azaria, who uh, does the voices for The Simpsons. Was it? Oh, I didn't know I that. Know I have to see this movie I know far too much about Pretty Woman. Jason I've Alexander's never... in it as well, isn't he? I think. Who's Jason? George yeah, Costanza. He, 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 offered, uh... he offers some money to Julia Roberts when he finds right, out yeah. that she's a hooker. He tries to... How cool is it to say I've never seen the movie, I only read the book? Is this one of the movies where it's cool <laughs> or not cool? I, I don't think there's a book in this. <laughs> Maybe there's a paragraph? <laughs> <laughs> Um, have you seen the Jason Alexander Burger King ad? No. Or is it McDonald's? He's, no. He did like a McDonald's ad, which is worth checking out. It'll destroy everything you ever thought about of Jason Alexander. <laughs> uh, it's, but on, on a more uh, football-related note, Benny, uh, anything else you want to mention from Tuesday or Wednesday? Wolfsburg, well, RB Leipzig, I, that sort of thing? One of the most hyped teams in the last season or the last two seasons, Eintracht Frankfurt, seems to fall apart these uh, these days. They are getting closer and closer to the second league run. Um, it's a bit uh, confusing because they really were one of the hipster teams the last two years. Everyone we, was suddenly uh, a Frankfurt fan. This is this is happening in the Bundesliga. For 10 years ago, they all were Bremen fans. Now they're all Frankfurt fans. Mm, that's why Nico is a fan. Nico is a, I would say he's a real fan, oh, but okay. uh, let's wait for the end of the season. <laughs> uh, suddenly he turns out to be a Voicebook fan, you never know. Um, but yeah, they are falling apart. This is one of the most interesting stories uh, right now because they are one of the teams definitely relying on their home advantage and their fan crowd in the back and they don't have it. Um, so you see pure quality and that maybe the quality is not pure but poor. Ah, okay, this, the joke was so good that, that Dan just fall off his chair. <laughs> He's laughing now. It was more your where face was, after it that was funny. To where, where was the clap, Ian? We talked about that. Okay, yeah. that's just, And then, then you wanted to talk about Wolfsburg, but I'm refusing to talk about no, that's Wolfsburg. Okay. Yeah. That's, but, the, but, the, but the little fairy tale that's actually happening, um, and I don't know how much you have talked about Hertha BSC in the past here in the podcast, because there was Klinsmann there, there was a lot of Facebook Live stuff doing, there were players <laughs> high-fiving Facebook Live and whatever, but now they hired Bruno Labbadia, the by far most handsome coach uh, in the Bundesliga. Uh, and he's turned out to be the perfect fit for Hertha. They came from nothing, from zero to hero, and they are the hype, most hyped team right now in the Bundesliga. And this is nice to see because it's in the city where we all work. Maybe we still have a proper football club there that is not aiming for big city football. Yeah, and they have one good Brazilian as well, Mateus Cunha, who nobody Cunha, yeah. ever knew before he showed up for the Hertha. And I have to say that I barely had heard of him before Hertha hired him. Um, and he's been scoring every goal. We actually did uh, the match report yesterday saying with no goals from Cunha, you know, Hertha just ties or something like that because he, he's our most hyped player at the moment in the Brazilian desk. Uh, I'm looking at pictures of Bruno here. He is a good looking dude. He is. He has a long story of like getting too close to relationships to player wipes or like all this stuff is that uh, but true we're not going to get sued over that I don't know I don't know if it's true Allegedly. it's just a rumor that's it's, a, it's, it's, it's one of the legends uh, um, Benny, we but got he's a, a good coach we got a question on Twitter from uh, jo uh, Jose Rodriguez who asks why doesn't the Bundesliga and the Zweite Bundesliga have 20 teams that extra ticket sales and bigger TV contracts uh, that will add up over time to help them compete in Europe 
the second point I think is not true. The first point is really discussed, especially for this uh, for the uh, second league. I can be honest. I don't know. I don't know. It's very complex. We have three, four leagues that are competing for for TV money. The Bundesliga, of course, is on top of it. But the 18 18 team Bundesliga is kind of one of the traditions you will never you will never break. Um, but for the second Bundesliga, it was in discussion to for the next from next season on to have 20 teams in there. But I have not not a proper answer. Maybe we are not. Uh, not as far as other leagues hmm. who make big money. I thought you were going to say maybe we're not experts, and I thought that well, that would be quite true. Well, at least we at least we are playing, right? The league in Germany is playing, so I think we have experts uh, there, while others are still mm, waiting. Yeah. Well, that's a nice segue because one of the leagues that's waiting is the Premier League. Oh, see what I did there? Over the last few weeks, uh, one of the big topics has been the takeover of Newcastle. Dan, this seems like your expertise because you're you're from the north. Uh, maybe you could start off by just you know giving us a bit of background to do to this, like who's involved, all of that sort of interesting stuff. Yeah, because the north of England is just one big homogenous mass, isn't it? Basically, well, yeah. it is if you're from the south, all right. Yeah. <laughs> when you leave London, there is a sign that just says the north, isn't there? So on the motorway. So yeah, I suppose, suppose you're right, really. Yeah, uh, yeah. I mean, I think it's been going on for a couple of months this now. So basically, the um, the Saudi Public Investment Fund, which is the sovereign wealth fund of Saudi Arabia, is hoping to complete a 300 million takeover of Newcastle, basically. Um, so if it goes through. Um, the Saudi Crown Prince Mohammed bin Salman will own 80% of the club and then the remaining 20% will be shared between a UK company called the Rubin Brothers and a company called PCP Capital Partners who are headed up by a woman named Amanda Staveley who's kind of brokered the deal so um, it's looking like it's quite close um, the documentation was officially lodged with the company's house earlier this week um, but we, we still don't really know when it's actually going to go through or, or indeed if it's going to go through Okay. Uh, there is talk of a owners and directors test. Is that mm. real? <laughs> yeah. Well, it, it is real and apparently it's quite easy to pass. But ironically, one of the um, the reasons that these, these guys might fail it is um, there, there was a pretty big spanner thrown into the works earlier this week. So the, way, the World Trade Organization um, have ruled that Saudi Arabia is behind this pirate satellite TV and streaming service um, that fee, I think FIFA, UEFA, the Premier League, various other places have, have tried to take legal action against them in the past. Um, one of the ways that you can fail the Premier League's owners and directors test is if you're found to have committed a crime overseas that would also be considered a crime in the UK. Um, so that that's like the genuinely kind of threatening the deal at the moment. And uh, Daniel Edwards summed it up best on Twitter when he said, nothing would sum up the mod modern football better than the Premier League overlooking all the human rights abuses and journalists killing only to block the Saudi Newcastle takeover because they didn't ask permission to broadcast Burnley v Bournemouth. <laughs> so that's, that's, that's the situation they're in at the say. moment. Yeah. That's exactly what I was about to jump in. Human rights, no problem. Killing journalists, no problem. But don't stream illegal matches. Yes, that's our money. <laughs> You've got to get your priorities right here. Uh, Joanna in, in this new world uh, so the stage we think is that is that it's very very close there's still one or two obstacles left though yeah it's been close but it doesn't seem to be getting much closer for, for a while now so uh, the, the latest is that the documents have officially been lodged but we'll, we'll see how it pans out the next next few days really okay so why Newcastle then uh, it's an interesting question because legend has it that Sheikh Mansour, who of course owns Manchester City, actually wanted to buy Newcastle instead of City uh, 10 years ago. And Mike Ashley refused to meet him at the time. So he, they went and bought City instead. I mean, 
if I was a billionaire and I wanted to buy an English football club, or maybe even any club in Europe, I would probably be looking at Newcastle because, you know, £300 million is, is quite a, a low investment for a club of that size. You know, they've got a massive stadium uh, right in the middle of Newcastle City Centre, a hugely passionate, pa- passionate fan base. Um, they haven't won a, a major trophy since the FA Cup in 1955. I think it was 1927, the last time they won a league title. So, you know, you talk about sh- sleeping giants. This one's in a coma, I think, isn't it? But the, 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 the potential to, to create history is there with this club and I think it's um, it will be a hugely exciting project for whoever takes over. And I'm guessing the fans are, you know, pre- presumably they've, they've turned away in abhorrence at the idea <laughs> of, uh, you know, a country like Saudi Arabia and its uh, human rights record. They've all they've all said this is terrible for the club, right? Yeah, I mean, to be completely fair, some of them have. Um, you know, it's unfair to, to like tar an entire fan base by the the idiots. Um, there have been people putting Saudi flags in their Twitter handles and all that sort of stuff. Not really. Um, oh yeah, genuinely, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, Put a bone saw there. It's more <laughs> <laughs> bone saw emoji. I mean, I mean, the, the most unsavory stuff that's been going around is um, you're probably aware of a, a former Washington Post journalist called Jamal Khashoggi, who was um, who was basically assassinated at the Saudi consulate in Istanbul in 2018. Um, his fiance has, has basically petitioned the Premier League to block the takeover and, and not let Saudi money sort of infiltrate the Premier League, and she's basically had dogs abuse for, for it from people on Twitter. Um, I even saw one fan using the word bitter to describe her, which is another pretty, pretty like weird way to sort of summarize the state of modern football at the moment. She's just bitter. So yeah, but, but like I say, you know, there are, there are lots of fans who do love the football club and want them to do well, but are really conflicted about all this stuff. And I think a lot of people are, the more it drags on, the, the more people are sort of turning around to the idea of it being a really bad thing. This is the way I'm pro social distancing. <laughs> People saying stuff like bitter in these situations. That's <laughs> yeah. why I'm, that's why social distancing. Maybe we should just keep with it for a longer time. Just, you know. It's fine but by me, bo- honestly. Yeah, yeah I'm, I'm but with a bo- it. But a bone saw can, uh, can guarantee one meter 50 distance <laughs> if you have it in your hands. I mean, that's what I think. Uh, I think, I think uh, what, what is interesting there is all the players now sitting there waiting for the Premier League to come back and they all know, okay, if this is going to happen... Our contracts are basically gone. We we are all going to be replaced by mm. super mega stars, uh, except Nabil Bentaleb, former Schalke legend, who is a mega star on his own. Um, uh, but yeah, I think for all the players, it's it's the worst case scenario. If you get like a billionaire as a as an owner, you know, well, we are all gone. Mm-hmm. We need new clubs from next season on. Um, I'm going to run through the funny you mentioned it Benny I'm going to run through the list of players who've been linked ah. with Newcastle over the last few weeks oh, nice. and it'd be nice if we had a sort of bullshitometer here Dan and you could just uh, tell us how how much bullshit is actually in this uh, each of these rumours uh, maybe this is the time for me to start my new job and we can do yeah woo, woo something like that <laughs> okay first up is Gareth Bale yeah that seems fairly likely I think what? Um, I mean well it's it's either i mean he's been linked with like mls and the chinese super league in recent years hasn't he so no one seems to really want gareth bale and it seems like it would be quite a good move for him getting back to the premier league um if they can afford his wages of course because he's very very highly paid um so yeah i I could see that one happening i'm pretty sure they can but but in the way that in the way that city signed robinho uh brazil legend of course joanna uh they Newcastle, when they when they they bring in these new owners, they need that sort of statement signing, right? 
They have Joe Linton already. Who <laughs> <laughs> scored what for two goals the whole season? That's enough. <laughs> they also have John Joe Shelby. Uh, uh, okay, so Gareth Bale, you think is likely? That's amazing. Uh, yeah. Coutinho. That's another one. I wouldn't say it's likely, but I could see that potentially happening as well. I mean, he's been linked with, I think, Arsenal and Chelsea and clubs like that. Um, Barcelona don't seem to want him. Bayern Munich don't want him. So, again, that's one where I could see that that might be his only option in the end. So, he might, he's he might have to go He's got nowhere there. to go. He yeah. I mean, that would be quite. That would be quite similar to the Rubinho one in a way, mm. in that it would just be like... It would just be purely kind of for the money and it would be quite a big statement, but it probably wouldn't really sort of change the club's fortunes overnight if they signed him, I don't think. What's wrong with Coutinho, Joanna? What's gone wrong there? Because he was so coveted and then he moves to Barcelona and everything goes wrong and now he's been shoved up to Newcastle. I, I think it's shoved off to Newcastle. I think it has also to do with motivation and with positioning. I think he is a brilliant player when he plays in a specific position. And when they move him on, it, it doesn't go like that. In the Brazilian national team, you can say that because he, he fights for the same area in the pitch as Neymar, more or less. So, of course, they're not going to move Neymar. So they move him to be in the number 10, you know, the guy in the middle organizing everything. And he's more of a left side. So he, he has trouble adapting to the Brazilian team. And I saw that happen also uh, in, 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 in Bayern. Barcelona, not so much because he was hired to be on the, on the left side since, you know, Dembele, I think, played, what, five matches his whole career in Barcelona. And... Uh, so I think it has to do with a little bit of the area in the pitch where he plays. He's not as versatile as we expected. And motivation. Oh, okay. Maybe he's born in the wrong decade. I think every player who's coming up and now is a rising star is flexible, at least has two favorite positions. And if you are stuck with one, you are more the Ribéry Robin person. You can be a great player, but if you're stuck on one position, it's the wrong decade. Sorry. Uh, Edison Cavani? No. If I think this could be, I mean, if he wants to play in the Premier League before he retires, this could be his best chance, but I don't see that one happening. I could see him maybe going to like Atletico Madrid or somewhere like that instead. Yeah. in? I, I mean, that could happen, but would do they want that to happen, really? He seems a bit over the hill. He was pretty underwhelming at Chelsea. I think he's done okay since he went back to Juventus. But he's, yeah, I, would, I wouldn't be too excited about that one if I was a Newcastle fan. But he's, per- he's perfect for my favourite uh, fan... Uh, fan song which is who ate all the pies perfect <laughs> uh, I forgot he played for Chelsea that's how bad he was yeah uh, John Stones and Ross Barkley who seem to come as a duo <laughs> yeah that's weird isn't it like mm. uh, Robson and Jerome or something yeah <laughs> Robson and Jerome <laughs> no, no one's going to understand that reference are they um, who were from I mean, Newcastle too weren't they uh, yes, they were actually. Yeah, yeah. so yeah, makes sense. Yeah, but I mean, John Stones has sort of lost his way at City over the last season or so. So it wouldn't surprise me if he left in the summer. Um, Newcastle would perhaps be quite a good move for him. Barkley is a very underwhelming player, I think. So again, I could see that one possibly happening, but it's not really the statement signing they're, they're looking for. It, it would kind of remind me a bit like when City got the money, they started like going out, all out for England players as well. Like we got like um, Gareth Barry, Wayne Bridge, James Milner, those sort of players. So I could see Newcastle going on a bit a similar kind of rampage and trying to buy half the England team at some point. Mm. Uh, okay, I guess. As a City fan, you can sort of relate to this 
and how it will transform your club but it's not necessarily all a positive thing right no I mean yeah it's going to be interesting to see how it goes because I think the landscape of football has changed quite a lot since since he was taken over in 2008 you know financial fair play is a thing now are Newcastle going to be able to spend the kind of money that City were able to throw around in the first few years of the takeover you know there's there's a sort of strongly held belief that kind of City got through the door just before it closed with, with that kind of thing so you know Newcastle could very well end up selling their soul and getting very little back in return um, I think the important thing to remember for Newcastle is that like they've had 12 years of Mike Ashley as the owner he's kind of ripped the heart and soul out of the club the club the fans absolutely hate him and I think whether they should be welcoming, you know, Saudi ownership with open arms is another matter, but I can understand why they're desperate for any kind of change, um, whatever the cost at the moment. So, mm. yeah, it's going to be really interesting to see. I, I, I kind of hope it does go through because I think we we could see some really interesting stories developing from this one over the next few years. Will that change include Steve Bruce? I would imagine so, yeah. yeah. I can't see him, him lasting very long. There's been talk of um, Rafa Benitez going back there. Uh, Max Allegri possibly Pochettino is the one they should go out all out for if you ask me if he's if he is even vaguely interested in the job I think they should just throw money and get him as Steve Bruce is many things to many people but glamorous and the head of a new uh, financially very rich club you know he writes books no well, he he ghost writes books, doesn't he? Or he had he had books ghost written for him. Mm. Is the, the, the as legend has it, yeah. Okay. Called like Striker and Defender, and they're like, they're like um, murder sort of mysteries uh, or something like that. Kind of like yeah, like detective novels. But he's like a football manager called Steve Barnes. <laughs> uh, yeah, I, w- I would I would recommend googling this stuff. It is very funny. <laughs> Uh, maybe maybe for next week's podcast you can maybe read one and then sure, you can yeah. come back and give us a review <laughs> okay last week we got into uh, a discussion a healthy discussion let's say about uh, the best ever Brazilian footballers um, so we decided we might do it a bit more properly this week um, how this will work is I'll ask each of you to name your top five uh, but we'll just we'll start with number five. We'll each give our number fives. We'll make our way around it uh, around the table here, and uh, Joanna will go last. Uh, so give the name, give the reason, and then I'll tell you if you're wrong or right. Or we might do some sort of comedy sound effects. Uh, Dan, you want to go first? Is your number five? Yeah, I went for Socrates, um, named after a Greek philosopher. Apparently, scored over 250 goals from midfield while smoking 80 cigarettes a day. <laughs> so I think that on its own should make him one of the greatest players of all time, shouldn't it? Yeah. <laughs> Benny? I go for, this is already a surprise, Zé Roberto. <laughs> He's a legend. Uh, he played <laughs> till he was 41. Uh, he won basically everything. He was the center of all of his teams. Uh, and uh, I think he's massively underrated in the Brazilian football in history. Also I from a fan perspective, no, they Joanna, all love him. Joanna, you're not allowed to jump in just yet. No, with just one story about him, because we were talking uh, about Afonso Davies and that, you know, playing in the left back is easier than in the left wing. Zé Roberto, just in a recent interview with one football exclusive interview, actually, Ooh. he said that he started playing in midfield because he knew he would never make it to the Brazilian national team playing left back because Roberto Carlos was the owner. So he said, yeah. I needed to, you know, be versatile and play in other places. That's why he moved into the to the midfield. Mm-hmm. So he's also clever, and he's 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 best friends with one football. He wants to come and hang hang out with us next time he's in Berlin. Isn't that true? That's true. I'll invite you guys. Everyone can be two meters away from each other mm-hmm. having a couple. Just want to rub my head on a six pack. <laughs> <laughs> Do you mind? 
Uh, for my number five, I went for Danny Alves. Won everything about four million times. Was possibly revolutionized to that position, you could say. Or at least helped revolutionize that position. And he was part of one of my favorite ever teams. And principally because I couldn't think of anybody else. <laughs> well, I did a list with players that I have actually seen playing because that was Ian's um, prerequisite. But I also did a list with best of all times with players that I didn't really follow, but, you know, I've seen videos and stuff. So it's Gahinsha. Uh, was he the one that lost his virginity to the goat? He <laughs> lost his virginity to the goat. To Messi? <laughs> or Ronaldo? <laughs> uh, he won the. He won almost by himself the '62 World Cup with Brazil because Pelé got injured in the second match, I think, so he carried the team all the way through. But a Fogo legend, Benny. Yes, I know. I'm uh, the Fogo always brings out the best and most interesting players. <laughs> the Fogo. I don't think anybody else calls them the Fogo. <laughs> uh, Dan, you're number four. Uh, I went for Ronaldinho just because he snubbed Manchester United. Oh, yeah. That's literally the only reason. That's, yeah. good. That's a good enough reason, Benny. <laughs> I have Ronaldinho also in fourth position. He was one of the most spectacular, one of the openers of commercial football with his Nike uh, um, advertising spot. Great to see, but only the Barcelona uh, Ronaldinho. Everything afterwards was mm. just a depression. Oh, the PSG one was interesting. Yeah, yeah the PSG say. one was interesting. He was like, yeah, he was a, the, one of these players where you say, oh, I want to see a PSG game to see this guy playing. Mm. For I, any reason. I, this breaks my heart, my number four. Because I wanted to put him higher, but I couldn't put him higher. I know who comes now. It's he might be my favorite player ever. And it's it's, it's against everything you try to defend since years in the one football <laughs> newsroom. If you now put him on the fourth position, <sighs> it's it's Ricky Kaká at number four. Yeah. You know that the, his name is in Germany description for shit for poo for baby poo. <laughs> uh, yeah, I, yeah, I do know that. Actually, uh, okay. <laughs> I also know that he was the first, the first sports person to amass 10 million followers on Twitter. So you know, well, that was part now of the, that was part. I, did, I I just want to go back and give a slight appreciation for Kaká because I feel he is underrated. And Joanna never lets me, never backs me up on this, even though she should. I so I went back and watched like a 10 minute video of him and his skills the other day. He was amazing. But amazingly boring no 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 no. He, he he had like he had vision he had the passing ability he could score but what really struck me and the intelligence is already there although he does look like a tennis coach uh he, he um he he was extremely strong did anybody else realize this when he I, this was amazing it's like he's made of steel and just when he lost that speed when he lost that speed when he went to madrid oh Arnold Schwa I would say Arnold Schwarzenegger was extremely strong. I don't know if you can compare this to... No, but I mean, he looks... Kaká sort of has my sort of shape. I mean, I've been <laughs> yes. working out a little bit at home here. You might, you might notice. Uh, but uh, he, anyway, he's Pelé. No less a person than Pelé described him as the complete player. And I mean, Pelé knows a thing or two about football. You know the I, thing about I Kaká. agree with that. He's also I agree talking with that. a lot. He is very versatile and complete. Uh, so I really enjoyed him playing as well, but he played very little time, so he didn't make it to my list. He didn't even make it on your top five? 
No, he didn't. Not even in your top one. Nope. <laughs> Goodness me. Dan, you were going to say something? I was just going to say the thing about Kaká is he had the chance to move to Man City and he bottled it, didn't he? So how can he how can he be considered one of the greatest after that? In fact, Gary Cook, who was the CEO at the time, claims that Kaká told him later that he wished he'd gone to City. So what could have been? Uh, your number four, Joanna? Uh, no, no one less than God. Zico. He only made it to yeah. number four. He only made it to number four. That's that's how good Brazil used to produce players. <laughs> we got better people than him. Um, but okay, then we'll skip on to number threes. Dan, uh, Ronaldo. Yeah, probably would have put him higher were it not for his injuries. I think, but you know, probably the greatest number nine ever, isn't he? That performance, Old Trafford, probably the best individual performance I've ever seen. <laughs> Number hey, wait until you hear him in my top two are. Oh, okay, cool. Uh, well, yeah, we'll have to come back to it. Okay, yeah. Benny? Cafu. 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 <laughs> I mean, if you say Dani Alves rev- revolutionized the position, I think Cafu revolutionized it, and Dani Alves just adjusted his revolutionary move. So he won everything. He was very trustable. He was the captain of... He won two World Cups, one as a captain. He was a great player, great character. Uh, he was always reliable. He was—he uh, didn't play for much clubs. I, I see him, his, his stone rocket buddy in his as Roma jersey. Mm. And um, one of my favorite players of all times. And of course, number three in this list. Okay. Only player to play three World Cup finals ever. That's it. That's, well, there you go. that's, that's, not bad. that's greatness. Okay, I went for Ronaldinho, but again, only PSG. Barcelona, Ronaldinho. Uh, Dan, you... Oh, no, here, Joanna. No, no. We, Joe, I was going to pass you by, Joanna. Go on. Uh, Romario, but I always have. I, I'm, I'm going to give some spoiler here. I'm going to give some spoiler. I'm always in between who is my number two and my number three. If it's Romario or Ronaldo, Ronaldo and Romario. I'm always in between those two. So I, I decided to put Romario three, and the spoiler is, of course, Ronaldo's number two. Because I think Ronaldo is a bit more complete. He did a bit more stuff in the pitch than Romario did. Romario was a great shooter. Like he ended all the plays in the back of the net, but he wasn't as versatile as Ronaldo. So I, I this is always a big, <laughs> a big question for me. But okay, uh, we're on to number twos then, Dan. Well, I had a strict no defenders policy in this list because <laughs> if you ask me, I mean defenders only get only play in defense because they're not good enough to play an attack, don't they? Basically, that's how it works. So, <laughs> uh, so I, I went for Garincha for my number two. Um, if I'd known nothing about the goat, I might have put him number one actually. But <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Appar- apparently, he and Pele never lost an international match that they played together. Is that right, Joanna? Brazil never no. lost when both of them were together. In exactly. The yeah. They should just so play them go. now. Yeah. Okay, uh, Benny, I'm still getting over the shock of Romario at uh, number three. What a surprise. Yeah, Romario is my second position because after all our long discussions we all had in this group, uh, I'm convinced that Romario is one of the best players in Brazilian football history. Um, the little fat guy. Um, I just want to come back to dance, uh, dancing with the no defenders thing. If, I think if you be a world-class defender as a Brazilian, this is also an additional reason why you are one of the best players in the world because everybody is attacking and you are alone in the back <laughs> trying to hold things together. Uh, so this should be rewarded. But Romario is my second position. And I think also that left-backs and right-backs in Brazil, they're not really defenders. <laughs> 
Not quite. Yeah, fair enough. Yeah. Yeah. A, a couple of stats from Romario, who I also chose a second. 55 goals in 70 games for Brazil. 128 goals in 140 games for PSV. 128 goals in 140 yeah. games. That's insane. Yeah. And he always had this arrogant look when he scored mm. a goal. Like, you know, this, this, uh, his breast was always out. He was a little small guy and he like, mm-hmm. everybody looked like a fool next to him. And like, he always, he didn't, face uh, didn't change when he scored. I loved it. Uh, Joanna, is it true that he had a clause in his contract that he could go back and party for Carnival? Is that true? Mm, I don't think there was a clause in his contract, but there's this one story where he asked Cruyff uh, when he were playing for Barcelona to go back for Carnival, and Cruyff says, well, if you score three goals, I'll let you go after the match. He scored the three goals in the first half, and in the break he said, can I go now? And he actually went. <laughs> I think he scored four. I think he scored four, but the rest of the story is true, yeah. Uh, Johan Cruyff yeah. described him as the best player he'd ever coached. And Johan Cruyff knows a thing or two about football, I would say. No. Arguably. No, he's amazing. I, I If you Google, uh, there's a, a Tumblr, I'm not sure if it's been updated in, uh, recently, but it was amazing, called, uh, well, in English, Teach Como Romario, Teach Romario, like Insina Romario, which was like goals that Iguain and Fernando Torres and all of these guys lose, and then the same exact goal with Romario and him scoring. So he would put these two videos one next to the other, and it was like, Romario does not lose goals like that. Mm, machine. Amazing. Uh, Dan, you're number one. Milano. No, just no. <laughs> Joe. So, <laughs> so it's Pele, right? But you, you lot all pulled a face when I said Ronaldo was my number three, which suggests that you've not even got Pele in your top fives. Is that, am no. I correct in thinking that? Not are in my you, top five. Are you insane? Or? Kaká is better than Pele to me. <laughs> well, how many goals did Kaká score in Escape to Victory? <laughs> so. Well, the only thing is, I've never seen Pele play. So I can't, you know... I, yeah. That's, that, that was I my thinking. I told you already. Yeah. You know, enjoy your quarantine watching his movie. It's called, I think in English, Eternal Pelé or Pelé Eternal, something like that. It's amazing. You should watch it. Yeah, it's a, was a more eye show than The Last Stand with Michael Jordan, I would say. <laughs> so you it's went more... for, did you go for Pelé, you say? Yeah, I mean, I never saw him play either, but I can. I think we can safely assume he was quite good, can't we? <laughs> Based on reports. <laughs> That's what people say. Yeah. <laughs> Fake news. <laughs> Dan or uh, Benny? Uh, yeah, I'll, I go for my favorite player of all times, El Fenomeno Ronaldo, the one who changed the game completely. Uh, I've never seen a player like him again. I've never seen a player like him before. He changed everything. He was the first player I would. I thought he was on FIFA, not really football, but a FIFA player. And we have to see that he destroyed all best defenders in the world all the Maldinis all the Yapstams with one knee basically he was injured till he was 19 and uh, he is never reached Uh, it's a tragedy for football that he was injured all the time and I think he was the player that influenced I would say the last 30 years of football more than any other everybody was looking at Ronaldo and he was not even training as a power as a sort of power forward I think that is powerhouse tricks how he scored goals Mm. signature moves the speed mm. the pace the everything self-confidence mm. on the pitch but handsome uh, or not handsome but like uh, quiet beside the pitch after he found out that he can party during uh, uh, during training sessions this changed but everything on the pitch was just phenomenal he, uh, Ibrahimovic is pretty open in his his appreciation of Ronaldo and that he basically tried to be Ronaldo anybody is anybody uh, is okay yeah I've also gone for Ronaldo for everything that Benny said uh, uh, 
he was the first time I think Ronaldo was the first time where I supported a player rather than a club well, I was just really interested in a player and I was just you know obsessed with, with what he could do uh, Joanna you get the last word on this well mine is Pelé also because you know that's what people told me I mean, I mean but yeah I think because he is the most complete player to ever have played football that's why Ronaldo's in my second place because I think Ronaldo is very 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 complete but unfortunately we have to take I think about six maybe years out of his prime years uh, he scored I think what was it, like 55 goals or 60 goals or something in Barcelona in one season? And that was his best season ever. And right after that, he started getting the injuries. So if it wasn't for that, he would definitely be number one. But he still made my number two with all of that. And I think Pelé is number one. Yeah, but Pelé, but, was, Pelé was counting the goals he scored in training while he was at the army. <laughs> nah, nah, that, that's not true. He was, he was counting lots of uh, friendlies because at that time the clubs would tour in Europe mm. or South America and things like that. So he counted all of those. But regarding my uh, list of players that I only saw, like actually saw on the pitch, you know, Pelé and Gahinsha, obviously not on my time. I would have to say Ronaldo, Romario, Zico, Ronaldinho, and Adriano. I, want, to I wanted to put there. Adriano in there just for his lifestyle. <laughs> I got yeah. a lot of time for him. Okay, that's probably enough for today. Okay, any, anything else I can learn about uh, Pretty Woman or do I have to watch the movie? No, just <laughs> read the book. Read the book. Yeah. And, uh, watch, <laughs> then maybe watch the movie and then we'll okay. never bring up torturous analogies like that ever again. No, it was good. <laughs> we'll be losing listeners. Okay. I've only seen Pretty Woman once and it was dubbed in Italian and I don't speak Italian, so... <laughs> but it's still a good film, despite that. It's a good film. If you understand the plot without understanding what they are saying, it's a good movie. I've yeah. seen the musical... <laughs> Oh, fuck. <laughs> There's a musical? <laughs> Holy shit. Is it in Hamburg? It was in Hamburg. Oh, That's fuck. True. It was a good night out. I enjoyed it. How's it called in German? Uh, Schöne Frau? Schöne Frau. Schöne Frau. I think it might be called Schöne Frau. But, okay, let's end this. This is too, this is too much. Okay, that's all for us today. My thanks to Joanna, Betty and Dan. We'll be back next week. Should you miss us in the meantime, you can go to the back catalog on iTunes, SoundCloud, Spotify, wherever you get your podcast hit. And if you want to get in touch with any sort of podcast uh, questions you have for us, you're to do so as podcast at onefootball.com. And that's Betty's fault. <laughs>